Are you ready for the game plan? Ellis Tolbert has got you covered. It's time for 4th and 16 on The Roar. going on, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16th, The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. I hope you all are having a fantastic night tonight. I know that I am. It is Wednesday night, which means we are just a few hours closer to Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm super excited about it. I'm jumping up and down in my seat as I speak. I want to pound my fist on the table, but I can't do that because it's going to mess up the audio, and I can practically smell the macaroni and cheese cooking right now. So excited about it. I know you guys are excited about it. Some of you guys are going to be staying up super late, getting your Thanksgiving Day meal prepared, and if you have any leftovers, throw some my way. But folks, I got another reason for you to be super excited. It is Rival Week. Rival week. That's a really hard word. Rival week. Rivalry week. Anyway, folks, this is the game that we've been looking forward to for an entire year. Bragging rights are on the line. Of course, one team has had them way more than the other. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but folks, this game is going to be exciting. I think it's going to be great for one team. I think it's going to be terrible for another team. Uh, and we'll get more into that. Before I do that, though, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support, for your continued support of 4th and 16. If you've been with me since the beginning, I think the first episode was in February, around February 4th or something like that, thank you so much for your continued support. I would not be here without you. I appreciate each and every one of you for you know spreading the word about 4th and 16 or just listening and just telling your friends about it. I really appreciate you. And if you're new, welcome. Thank you for your support. Hopefully you guys will stick around. You've heard enough that you liked it and you're ready to go into 2020 with me. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up for the next year and I'm really excited about that. I also want to give a quick shout out to the fine folks over at The Roar. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be able to get this show out to people and have information be out there flowing. We want more and more and more and more is better. So we're going to keep the good vibes flowing. Folks, this game is going to be featuring two different teams that are seemingly heading in opposite direction at breakneck speed. You're talking about an 11-0 Clemson football team that is surging right now. They are peaking at the right moment. They are poised to make a lot of noise in the college football playoffs, possibly win another national championship. Whereas on the other side, you have a 4-7 fledgling South Carolina Gamecock program that's trying to figure out their identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they want. They're not going to go to a bowl game regardless of what happens in this game. Neither team had a game last week as they were both on bye, and this game will be the last game of the regular season for both teams. Now, the game will be in Columbia at Williams-Brice Stadium. Kickoff is at noon, and you can watch it on ESPN. They've got Dave Pash, Greg McElroy, and Tom Luganbill on the call. Now, folks, Greg McElroy and Tom Luganbill are there for one reason. They are there to critique the quarterbacks. They were both quarterbacks in college. Uh, that's what they do. Much like Dan Orlovsky a couple of weeks ago, they're going to be there to talk about all of the good passes, all of the bad passes, all the passes that should have been thrown, all the passes that shouldn't have been thrown for both Trevor Lawrence and Ryan Helinski. That's what they're going to do all game. If that annoys you, I implore you to please listen to the call with Don Munson, Taj Boyd, Tim Beret, and Reggie Merriweather. They will be doing the game on Clemson Tigers Network. Great show, great broadcast, great people. Uh, I implore you to listen to that if you do not want to hear a lot of criticism. 
Folks, this game is going to be filled with a lot of vitriol and hatred. A lot of crazy things have happened with these two teams over the years. Of course, Clemson owning the record 70-42 to 42, uh, with four ties. But we'll see what happens uh, in this game. There could, there's going to be a chance for Clemson to really show out in this game. And there's a chance for South Carolina to try and redeem themselves uh, in a season that was largely disappointing but kind of expected for a lot of the fans out there. Now, if you're a South Carolina fan listening to this show, I want to warn you, I am going to be extremely critical of South Carolina and their coaches and some of the things that they are doing. However, I am going to be as fair as I possibly can because I want to be objective. It's not fun when you're sitting around talking about your team all the time saying your team is the greatest ever. I want you to understand that I am being objective. So if you hear something that you do not like, Please understand that I've done enough homework throughout the years and this season particularly to know exactly what I'm talking about and why I said it. With that said, let's go ahead and get into it. Fourth year head coach Will Muschamp is struggling. Make no mistake about it, it is a struggle. Struggle to say the least. It's very disappointing by his own standards because before the season he said that this was the best team that he's had at South Carolina since he's been at South Carolina. Now, I understand the schedule has been tough. Daunting. No one can discredit how tough the South Carolina schedule has been. However, this team, mostly offensively, has no identity. They have no backbone. They don't know what they're doing for most of the time. And then they'll come out and surprise themselves and win against a team that no one thought. Although I've given them one win this year, and it happened to be the Georgia Bulldogs, which I am also not very high on. But South Carolina has the talent. They have the players to actually be a very competitive football team. But it starts up top. It starts with the head coach. Now, understand some of that trickles down to the coordinators, which I believe that after this game, because there is no bowl game for the South Carolina Gamecocks after this game, regardless of what happens, as I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a house cleaning done. Full house cleaning. As much as they don't want to say it or admit it, there's going to be a lot of coaches there now that are not there next year. One of those coaches that might be getting the ax after the season is second-year offensive coordinator Brian McClendon. Now, Brian McClendon is in his second season of dealing with the after-effects of the Kurt Roper experience, a coordinator that couldn't move the ball down the field if he literally paid the opposing defenses to lie on their stomachs for the first three downs out of four. Just a terrible coach. He reminds me a lot of Dan Enos, uh, current offensive coordinator at Miami and former quarterback coach over at Alabama. Guy just can't move the ball. But Brian McClendon did pretty good with what he had. He brought back a senior quarterback. Uh, he brought back a lot of running backs. He brought some veteran offensive linemen who have their issues here and there but have been playing okay and a lot of talent on the outside at receiver. The problem with McClendon is that this is his first gig. Of course, he was the interim coach over at Georgia once Rick left and then, well, fired. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me backtrack on that. Uh, and then he also spent some time as a GA over there. So he knew a little bit about the offense. He's been a receiver. Uh, he played at Georgia. So he's no stranger to offense. But he doesn't have a whole lot of experience calling plays. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's he's gotten a lot of credit, especially after last season, the incredible game, and I will give it to them, incredible game, both by the coaches and the players on offense that South Carolina had against Clemson last season. You had Jake Bentley go out there and throw for the most yards he will ever throw in his life from now on. Uh, you had tight ends streaking down the field wide open. You had running backs doing whatever they wanted. You, It was insane. However, 
I think he got a little bit too much credit for that. I think Clemson was just a little bit unfocused. We all know how Clemson was able to lock down some of the better passing uh, attacks in college football, most notably Alabama and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, I just think they were very unfocused in that game. Maybe had other aspirations. We'll see if that happens in this game, but I wouldn't bet on it. Now, the problem with South Carolina, I've said this a couple of times already, they have no identity. There's times where uh, McClendon's inexperience comes through. He will run the ball when he should be throwing the ball. He will throw the ball and forget that he has four running backs that are very capable to move the ball down the field. And most importantly, Tavian Feaster. Now, look, I believe that there are two position groups that if they are playing at a very high level, it gives South Carolina a chance to win the game or at least be very competitive. And that's at running back and wide receiver. We'll talk about that a little more in depth a little bit later, but we're going to get into scheme talk right now. South Carolina runs more of a traditional spread look. They do have RPO looks, especially when a quarterback like DeKarian Joyner's in. He gives them the opportunity to stretch the field with his legs. Uh, mostly, if it's going to be Ryan Helensky, they're going to keep him and be a little bit more vanilla. They do like tempo. They will go very high tempo on you if they're winning first and second down. That's very important. If they're getting three yards and first and second down, that makes third down very easy. They're able to push the ball down the field at a quick pace. If not, again, they go back to being very vanilla, very slow. They do like 11 personnel. That's what they're mainly out of. You'll see them sometimes going to 12. They were doing that a little bit more when Nick Muse tight end was healthy, and they also had Kyle Markway. Now you're more in 11 personnel, which gives them the opportunity to put more receivers on the field. I'll talk about how good their receivers are. The offensive philosophy at South Carolina is... You know, I really don't know. This is the first time I've been stumped all season. I have no idea what their offensive philosophy is because I don't think they know what their offensive philosophy is. They have zero identity. They are in constant state of flux. One game, they want to be a fun and gun air raid team like they were under Coach Spurrier, or the next game, they want to be a run left, run right, run left, run through the middle, five yard out, post. Incredibly boring, terribly predictable. And I know a lot of South Carolina fans out there are fed up with their offense, and rightfully so. You should be. A lot of it falls on the shoulders of the quarterback, though, uh, Ryan Helensky. Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, it's not all his fault. We'll talk about that more, but this is the guy that you pined for before the season uh, to be the starter. This is the guy that you said was going to be the savior of the South Carolina football program. This is the guy that you said was going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. Now, whether he ends up being a fantastic quarterback in his career, that's up for debate, but I don't think the kid has been given a fair shake because I don't think he's been properly developed. Quarterback coach Dan Werner doesn't look like he's doing a very good job with him, although I will say that Ryan Helensky is far more smart and cautious with the football than Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley was one of those quarterbacks that would throw it to his own teammate. He'd throw it to anybody. He'd throw it to his own teammates. He'd throw it to your team. He'd throw it to the refs. He'd throw it to announcers if he could get it up there. He just was very reckless with the football. I think South Carolina has seen an uptick with being more cautious with the football uh, with Ryan Helensky. However, I think Ryan Helensky has uh, been stunted a little bit. They still have training wheels on him because they're afraid to really let it go. Uh, if they actually throw the ball a little bit more vertically and use the running backs around him, he might see a little bit more pressure taking off of him because he's able to make more plays. And that would, in turn, probably make the offense a little bit more exciting. We've seen this happen, and I can give you a perfect example. I talked about it earlier. Jake Bentley, the kid threw a lot of interceptions. They were still kind of a boring offense. But when you go to Clemson, you do everything that you can to throw vertically, and it worked. This is what you need to do if you're South Carolina going forward. I don't know that it's going to work in this game, but it is what it is. 
Let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the team's uh, strengths. Again, I talked about running back. I think that they have a couple of guys, especially three guys, that can really, really move the football. And it starts with Tavian Feaster and Rico Dattle. Now, Rico Dattle has been the running back that's been there for a while. He's a senior. He's played a lot of football for South Carolina, a very smart player. But he's been a player that's dealt with a lot of injuries and running timid in the past. But with Tavian Feaster coming over, the transfer for Clemson, the polarizing transfer, I think that really lit a fire under him and made him understand that you know, this is important. It's time to really play some football. So we've seen a lot of good running out of Rico Dowdle. Of course, Tavian Feaster has been doing well as well. I think he might be the leading rusher for South Carolina, but he's been hampered a little bit with a groin injury. He says he's going to be good to go for this game, and I'm sure he's going to play regardless of what's wrong with him because this is the game that he went to South Carolina for, to play Clemson. He didn't go to South Carolina because he thought they were going to be in the playoffs. Everyone saw their schedule. Everyone knew that there was a couple running backs there. Everyone knew the defenses that he would be playing. So I think this is one of the reasons why he went to South Carolina. He wanted to be able to play Clemson and see where he lines up. And, you know, whether it was a smart decision or not, I'll leave that up to debate as well. But there's a lot of good running backs there. Mon Denson, another senior. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick, a running back that was going to transfer out. Stayed in, playing good football. Kevin Harris, true freshman. Very good running backs. If they run the ball a little bit more, there's a couple of games earlier in the season that they could have won especially the North Carolina game, if they feed the ball to the running backs a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. But if they're playing well, good game for South Carolina. The other strength of the offense is that wide receiver. They got a couple of them. And it starts with Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards is a monster. 6'3", 215, senior, great hands. But he's been injured a good bit. Uh, they got to get him healthy. If he's a healthy scratch for this game, it's going to help them a lot. But if he's not 100% full bore, uh, it's really going to dampen their vertical threat abilities. Uh, they're going to have to put a lot of that on the shoulders of Shai Smith. He's more of a Debo Samuel type guy, uh, open space type guy that can make a lot of things happen. He will juke you out of your pants. He's about 5'10", 190. Good receiver. Same with Xavier Leggett, freshman, six foot two oh five. Those guys are really shifty. However, they drop a lot of balls. They do not help out Helensky with that. Even Brian Edwards has been dealing with the dropsies a little bit. They really got to work on that. But Ortre Smith is another kid. He's about 6'4". So they want to use him in the red zone. Again, they really have to have Brian Edwards healthy uh, in that 50-50 ball scenario to win out, especially against a guy like A.J. Terrell or even Darian Kendrick. I think a player that they are misusing is Dakirian Joyner. They could actually use him at wide receiver, maybe an H-back, something. He's one of those guys that can run. He's got great feet, great legs, can juke. I'm sure he can catch the ball. He can also throw the ball, although he's not as polished. I think they are misusing him. I think going into the season, they were going to ride the coattails of Jake Bentley with Ryan Helensky learning behind him and Joyner as a, an insurance policy in case anything happens. Well, now he's thrust into position, but now they're using him mostly as a running quarterback, a lot like Tate Martell at Ohio State and Justin Fields at Georgia. I think if they use him correctly, he can be very dangerous for South Carolina. Let's move along to tight ends. I like Kyle Markway. I think he's very athletic. 6'4", 250, junior. Very good player. If they can find him down the seams, that could be a problem for Clemson. But who knows? South Carolina doesn't know what they want. So it is what it is. They got Keyshawn Tony as well. Uh, not very sold on him being a very athletic tight end at this moment. But I'm sure he can make some plays, just not against Clemson. 
The play of the Gamecocks O-line is going to be critical in their success in keeping this game respectable. If they can't hold up against Clemson's ferocious pass rush, it's going to be a very long, very ugly game for South Carolina. I know that they have a lot of veterans, a lot of people who've played a lot of ball for South Carolina along the line, but none of them will really stand out and wow you outside of Stanley. Pretty good guy. He's been there for a very long time. With that said, let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game. First and foremost, Clemson's defense needs to stop the run. We want to make them one-dimensional. We want to make them throw short and horizontally. We have the speed to cover that on the outsides. We want to make sure we keep everything in front of us. No busted plays this season. We want to make sure that we get after the quarterback, make him see ghosts, make him make bad decisions. Lastly, play dominant physical football from start to finish. Impose your will. We got to go to break, but when we come back, we'll be talking South Carolina defense versus this surging Clemson offense. You're listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. Back in a moment. Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. Welcome back, folks. Second segment of 4th and 16's The Game Plan is underway. Hope you guys are continuing to have a great night tonight. I'm Ellis Tolbert. Let's go ahead and talk about the side of the ball for South Carolina that's a little bit more fun. You know, the side of the ball that's a little bit more organized, the side of the ball that has a little bit more talent, the side of the ball that has a little bit more of an identity, and that is the defensive side of the ball. Now, that isn't a big surprise because your head coach is a defensive coordinator by trade. And make no mistake, folks, Will Muschamp's not a bad defensive coordinator. He's gotten a job at a lot of different places. He's won a national championship coaching the defense at Texas. So he knows what he's doing, although I do think some of these offenses are evolving so fast that he's unable to catch up. Uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. Coach Muschamp comes into this game with defensive coordinator Travaris Robinson. And folks, T-Rob is his right-hand man. These guys are very comfortable with each other. They've been coaching with each other for a while. Uh, Coach Robinson understands the game plan and schemes for the most part uh, every week that Coach Muschamp wants. He's able to accomplish that outside of the occasional disappearance from the defense uh, and not getting helped out by that offense that I talked about earlier uh, in the first segment. But for the most part, these guys are pretty good. The only issue is they deal with injuries a lot. This is something that has been going on at South Carolina for the past few years. They just don't have very much depth. Uh, last year's game, they played with pretty much a skeleton's row and had 56 points put on them. They were playing with kids that should not have been playing yet because they were not ready because of injuries. But I'm not sure it's going to be much different this season. That's not to say that this team doesn't have a lot of defensive talent. In fact, there's a lot of players on here that we wanted at Clemson. A lot of players that nationally ranked teams right now wanted. So it's not as if they have no talent. It's just that they are inconsistent for the most part. Also dealing with injuries. We'll go ahead and get into that. Let's go ahead and talk about South Carolina's scheme. The defensive scheme at South Carolina is more of a multiple look, a lot like Clemson. They want to be able to have more fronts, different packages with pressure. They want to have different coverages, and they're able to do that because they have a lot of guys that are very versatile. But more often than not, South Carolina wants to be in a 3-4 look. It's going to be a little bit more non-traditional than most 3-4 teams that we've seen this season. They want to play two-gap responsibilities with their big, beefy D linemen. Basically, they're playing head-up on an offensive lineman. They're responsible for the gaps on both sides of them, not just the one gap that they would be in front of. They're on both sides of them. The reason why they do that, they're able to create havoc because they can control the gap. They don't have anybody worried about, hey, you know, this guy's only going to be in this gap. They could play either one, and you have to guess. 
They can also have some really good outside rushers and really, really good inside linebackers to really blow up situations. They can also bring a nickel back on and, you know, pull that nose tackle and slide the linebacker in. You know, that creates a four line and just looks the same, but it's not. They're able to stop the pass with that. It, they, they can do whatever they want. Uh, so they're going to have more of that look. They also use a buck end, which is more like a stand-up type guy. He's a little bit bigger linebacker. So they're able to do that, and they're really good at doing that. Uh, the D-line, in my opinion, is the strength at South Carolina. They have the most experience. Uh, they also have a really good secondary, but we'll talk about that a little bit more. But let's go ahead and get into that D-line. And my favorite player on this entire D-line is Javon Kinlaw. Folks, he is the real deal. I like this guy a lot. He was a Clemson take at one point. 6'6", 3'10", senior, leader, one of those guys that has really good footwork too, good hands. He's probably going to be playing that nose tackle position, manning both A-gaps, very strong player. Got to watch out for him. He does take some plays off though, and that's concerning as a leader, but for the most part, this guy's got a pretty high motor. Uh, another guy that I like out there is DJ Wanham. He's going to be playing that buck in position that I talked about, kind of like a hybrid linebacker defensive end, 6'5", 260 senior. Uh, I really like him as well. He plays more with his head on fire uh, than anyone else. Really good player. I like him a lot. Some other guys along the D-line is Kobe Smith and Keir Thomas. Two guys that, in my opinion, are, are underrated. Uh, they don't get as much talk as Kenlaw or Wanham or even Sterling, but these guys are really good. I like the way they play. Kingsley Ingabare, another young guy that played against Clemson last season, very talented. Sandage and Pickens, two guys that are very young but have a high future uh, at South Carolina. Pickens, of course, we wanted him badly. They bulked him up a little bit and put him on the inside and the interior D-line. He's playing well out there, and Rick Sandage is another player that's very talented. He's got a good career going for him in the future. But again, their D-line is very strong. I like these guys a lot. Um, they're going to have to have a good game in this game, really get in the backfield to make a difference. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Along with the secondary, I really like the secondary as well, but my favorite player is J.C. Horn. Uh, he's about 6'1", 200, true sophomore. He was injured against Clemson last season, so he wasn't able to play, but he's one of those guys that could have made a little bit of a difference for their secondary last year. They were torched. Uh, didn't have a chance. So we'll see how that turns out. That's kind of been the name of the game for uh, the South Carolina secondary against Clemson's receivers the past few seasons, just getting torched, eaten alive. They're like human hot pockets out there. Not very good. Just hot on the inside, cold on the outside. Not very good. But again, I do like their secondary uh, more than I have before. Uh, Mukwamu, another cornerback that's big. Again, these guys are kind of big, both cornerbacks. J.C. Horn's about 6'1", teetering 6'2". Mukwamu is 6'4". He's that guy that had all the interceptions against Georgia. He's just been in the right place at the right time because he's so long. Very long arms. Tall guy, very lanky, but he's always in the right position. There's a couple of interceptions that he doesn't have if he's only six foot out there uh, against Georgia. So, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that you don't really want to test uh, on one-on-ones, not because he's a fearsome cornerback. That's more of the J.C. Horn type thing. Uh, Mukwamu just has the long arms. So if you underthrow a ball or you overthrow a ball and he's in the right position, he's able to pick that off. Uh, again, two young guys that have a good future at South Carolina. They do use a nickelback. I don't know how often they'll do it in this game. They'll probably just bring an extra linebacker to stop the run. But Jamie Robinson will probably be that guy, true freshman guy. Uh, we'll see how that works out. R.J. Roderick is another guy that they can use. If I'm being honest, I think Clemson should probably try and target Roderick and eBay a little bit, the safeties, get those guys in ISO situations where they're trying to cover uh, a running back or a third receiver or a tight end 
on one-on-one situations. I, I I don't think these guys are bad, but I would rather pick on these guys in the corners uh, just because I think J.C. Horn's a really good corner. Not saying that I don't think that any of our receivers can hold their own. Of course, I think they would hold their own with any cornerback out there. It's just that J.C. Horn's really technically sound. And Mukwamu is a big guy. If you're going to throw a 50-50 ball, you have to be very accurate. You can't throw it under or behind or out of bounds or whatever. You have to just make sure it's where your receiver has the best advantage. Fortunately, we have big receivers, so that would work out. But I think these other guys, especially in R.J. Roderick and J.T. Ebay, maybe even Jamie Robinson, the nickelback, you want to get these guys uh, on ISO situations, having to be on an island and make the play for themselves. Now, these guys are pretty good in run coverage. Uh, I would definitely have these guys in run coverage for sure. They're probably going to bring one of them up to help out. Like I said, I think Clemson's going to run the ball at South Carolina all game repeatedly it's going to take a lot of help from the secondary because the linebackers are going to take a lot of that load on as well the d-line is going to be out there there are three four look guys trying to cover multiple gaps clemson's going to hit different gap integrities they're going to hit them with inside outside zone powers counters for sure powers and counters uh so it's going to be one of those things where uh, there there's a lot of work to do for this secondary and i want to put those guys to test for sure uh, moving along to linebackers, speaking of linebackers, I, I think these guys are pretty talented. There's some guys that play some football there before, but they're mostly young. Uh, they are led by TJ Bronson. He's the guy that he's been, we, we've heard TJ Bronson's name for a very long time. Very good player. Actually like the kid. He's a senior, uh, strong, fast, athletic, 6'1", 230. He can lay the wood, can bust a grape for sure. Um, but it's one of those things where he needs a lot of help. He's got Sherrod Green. Another Sam linebacker out there that can play, Jamar Brown. He's a freshman. He needs to put a little bit more weight on, especially if he's going to play the Sam Sam linebacker position. Uh, he needs to put a little bit more weight on. But South Carolina has been pretty good with these guys in coverage. I want to see how good they are in run defense support, though. That's the thing, though. South Carolina's defense has the potential to do whatever they want. It's just which South Carolina team is going to show up. Is it going to be the South Carolina team that shows up that couldn't stop Texas A&M at one point or couldn't stop Tennessee or is it going to be the one that stopped Georgia from being Georgia you know Georgia with a five-star lineman and a stable of running backs that love to run the ball they couldn't do anything against South Carolina they were actually able to put the clamps down on them now we know that Georgia isn't the best passing team in the country not even close no one would even ever consider that but South Carolina was able to make them be one-dimensional, and they were actually able to stop them when they did go one-dimensional. So it's important that this South Carolina team uh, really comes out to play because I think this is going to be by far their toughest test. And I know they've played Alabama uh, before Tua was injured and all that stuff, but I'm just going to say this again. I don't think it's going to be uh, a big deal that they have all these starters. I think it's going to be tough for them to keep Clemson from scoring under 50 in this game. Uh, again, a lot of guys that I like, J.C. Horn, one of my favorite guys, Javon Kinlaw, D.J. Wanham. I think these guys, T.J. Bronson, these guys are going to be the one that really, you know, make a difference in this game. Like I said, you're going to hear T.J. Brunson's name a lot. He's going to be making a lot of tackles, trying to stop Travis Etienne coming through the middle, coming through the outside. Uh, a lot of the tight end work, he's going to be working on that. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and talk some South Carolina special teams. Uh, they've got some characters over there. They've always had those guys. They love them too. Uh, Parker White and Joseph Charlton. You know, they've had some guys in the past like Elliot Fry. I remember he didn't have an A on his jersey when it said South Carolina. That was kind of funny. He's a very spicy tweeter when it comes to Clemson stuff too. Uh, it's kind of funny, but 
they love their special teams, rightfully so. Parker White is their kicker. He's about 6'5", 200 pounds. He won a red shirt, so he is now a scholarship kicker. And folks, he can kick the leather off of a football. Very, very strong leg, but not very accurate. He'll miss him more often than not. Can't really say much, though, because the same goes for B.T. Potter. Very strong leg, very confident, but just inconsistent at this point. Uh, They are not afraid to trot Parker White out for a 50-yard field goal. He is very, very strong-legged. Uh, hopefully we can have him out there trying a lot of kicks because uh, they're not moving the ball. That's what we want. We want them to have to be desperate and kicking 65-yard field goals all day. Punter Joseph Charlton, very good punter. I don't know if you guys saw the play against Texas A&M where he put the ball behind his back when he had pressure and ran the ball. On that play, that made him the leading rusher for South Carolina for the day. That's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, again, this kid's very good, strong leg, very accurate They're going to have to use him a lot uh, and try to get Clemson in bad field position because they are going to need that for their defense uh, to help their offense out a little bit too. I think their offense is going to three and out a lot. They're going to use him a lot to be able to get Clemson in bad situations. He's a senior. He's played a lot of football. They're going to use him a lot. Uh, For the return game, they're actually not bad at that. they got a lot of talented players. Brian Edwards is listed as the starter at punt return, but with him being a little bit gimpy, I don't see him being the guy. I think it's going to be Shai Smith. Shai Smith, again, he's that Debo Samuel type guy, uh, 5'10", 190. He's very fast, very shifty. Clemson's got to watch out for him. He can break one at any moment. He's also listed in the kickoff return section with former running back A.J. Turner. Uh, These guys can move. Both have a lot of speed. Uh, Again, we want to watch out for that. We want to put them in situations where they're not getting good field position. So if we're kicking off the ball, we want to kick it out of the end zone. Give no opportunity to return it. And if we're punting, we want to get a little bit higher. I know Clemson's been a little bit off when it comes to punting lately. That's something that I have talked about, I've been critical of. I want Clemson to get better. You cannot be a Division I punter and kicking the ball 30 yards. You just can't do it. Now, I know that sometimes you're not going to rock the ball out 60 yards every single time. I understand that. But uh, we're getting into big boy ball right now. This is going into the playoffs. We're going to need that. You have to punt better. And right now, I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of Spires or Sawicki when it comes to punting. So hopefully they can turn around in this game. Uh, We'll see what happens. But right now, I think uh, South Carolina is doing all right when it comes to special teams. I think Clemson is doing the same. Uh, I don't think that uh, we're going to see a whole lot of kick return for Clemson. But if we do, I think we're probably going to have Darian Kendrick uh, and Joseph Ngata back out there fielding kickoffs. Uh, I like the what I'm like what I'm seeing out of that. I want to see uh, maybe getting Lin J Dixon back out there too. See what he can do. Uh, he's got quick feet. He's a good returner. I like that. And as far as punt return, as long as Amari Rogers healthy, he needs to be out there fielding punts. He almost broke one against Wake Forest, but coincidentally, he almost broke his shoulder as well in that same play. Uh, very tough player though. Uh, at any moment, he can take one. Also, if he's not out there, it's going to be Darian Kendrick or Will Sweeney. Of course, Will Sweeney is not going to wow you. He's probably going to be out there for safe punt situations or late game returns uh, if the game's way out of hand, which I expect it to be. Let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game for this Clemson offense. First and foremost, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Run the ball so much that they get sick of it, have to commit to it, and start bringing players to load the box. Once you do that, you'll get them on -on one-on-one, man-to-man situations on the outside they're not going to be able to hold up much longer after that. You want to hit them with tempo. 
If you get up-tempo on them and they're trying to run around and figure out what's going on, you're going to see a lot of players get tired. They're going to try to sub players out, but they're going to be subbing in players without a lot of experience because they do not have the depth yet. That's going to help out for Clemson for sure. This one kind of goes hand in hand with the first one is you want to get that mismatch exploited. If you got a running back coming out of the backfield uh, being covered by a slower linebacker or a secondary player that's not very good at making tackles in the open field or a tight end going down the seam with a slower linebacker or a smaller safety, find that. If you can do that, put a lot of points on the board. Get Trevor in the rhythm. It's going to be a lot of stuff that can distract him in this game. Get him in the rhythm. If he does that, he's going to be completing a lot of passes in a row. He's going to get very confident and then it's over. Lastly, is winning the battle of the trenches. If Clemson has enough time for Trevor to stand around and find whoever he needs, they can really name this score. The offensive line has to be focused. If they're not getting distracted and having any false starts for anything that may be distracting them in the crowd, and we'll talk about that, that's a thing, they can really name the score. It won't even be close. Folks, in the final segment, we'll be doing the comparison of position groups, and I'll be giving you my final prediction. You're listening to 4th and 16th, The Game Plan. Back in a moment. Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. All right, folks, final segment of 4th and 16 is underway, and it's time to do that thing where we compare position groups from both teams, and we talk about why. As always, we start with the wide receivers. For the wideouts, I'm going to have to start with Clemson outright. I think that South Carolina's receivers are really good, especially a guy like Brian Edwards. Uh, very talented. Uh, he can take over a game. Uh, he's one of those guys that obviously we wanted at Clemson, but they as a whole are very inconsistent. They drop a lot of balls. Uh, they disappear sometimes in games. They're also injured a lot. And I just like Clemson's receivers in crunch time, especially a guy like T. Higgins who's playing otherworldly right now. Uh, you see a guy like Justin Ross who is still one of the more talented receivers in the country. Mario Rogers is back playing healthy in record time. And we're seeing a guy like DeAndre Overton really prove his worth. Uh, we're also getting a lot of good play out of our true freshman guys in Latson and Ngata. Now, again, they have a lot of talented players over there at South Carolina. I can go down through the list. Dawkins, Edwards, Smith, Davis, Leggett, Smith, uh, Van. They have a lot of good players, but... Again, just too inconsistent. I'm going to have to go with Clemson outright. For the running back group, I'm going to have to go with Clemson, uh, slight Clemson. I do like the running backs at South Carolina a lot. They have three seniors that can really play good football for them. And most importantly, Tavian Feaster. We know all about Tavian Feaster. He is a former Clemson, uh, still very talented. It gets overshadowed sometimes by a bad offense and poor play calling, but still, still a very important part of that offense. I do like Rico Dowdle as well. He's playing good football. He's running hard. He's a senior. I feel like the pressure to carry the team, especially from a running back standpoint, is off of his shoulders now. Now that Tavian Feaster is there, they're able to share the load. And Mondens and another senior, very good player. He did well against Clemson in the game last year, and he's been a pretty good uh, rotational guy this season. They also have some really good young guys in Fenwick and Harris. They're going to be really good in the future if the offensive play calling gets better. I do like their running backs, but mostly the reason why I choose Clemson is because of Travis Etienne. He is the X factor. There is no running back out there like Travis Etienne. Uh, you, you know, it's a egregious thing that he was left off of the doke. He does way more with less. You know, there's guys out there like Chuba Hubbard 
who's getting way more carries than him. There's guys out there like Jonathan Taylor, uh, even J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris. These guys are getting more and more attention than Travis Etienne, but he's doing more with less. If Travis Etienne played an entire game and got the ball 30 and 40 times like some of these other guys do, he would have 3,000 yards rushing and 1,500 yards receiving. He'd have 40 touchdowns. Uh, it's just ridiculous. He is that good. People who don't believe it, uh, <laughs> you're in denial. Uh, he's got some really good backups too, and Lynn J. Dixon and Darian Rincher. The crazy thing is, Travis Etienne, with as little carries as he has, still has way more carries than Lynn J. Dixon, which to me seems like Tavian Feaster would have probably cut into that a little bit. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that he made a wrong decision to go to South Carolina. Uh, at heart, I'm going to say yes, he did, but. Uh, you know, he could have still gotten just as much attention and carries at South Carolina as he does at Clemson uh, and probably been on a winning team. So that, that was rough. But again, I do like uh, Clemson's running backs a little bit more. They do have some younger guys. That's one of the reasons why I say slight to Clemson. But again, Travis Etienne is the X factor. For the quarterbacks, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers <laughs> by far. I like Ryan Helensky, a quarterback at South Carolina. I think he's going to be talented. I think he's going to develop into a quarterback that can be one of the better quarterbacks in South Carolina history if he has the right environment, if he's developed by the right coaching staff. He, he has the right play calling. He could be one of the better quarterbacks. But this is the same kid that everyone said was going to be better than Trevor Lawrence right out of the gate. <laughs> I know South Carolina fans jump the gun a little bit, be a little bit too excited about it. They said the same thing about Brandon McIlwain. They said the same thing about Jake Bentley, and he's still on the roster, and everyone's pretty much forgotten about him. Uh, they wanted him out. So, again, I have to go with Clemson on this one. DeKirian Joyner is the backup quarterback at South Carolina, and look, I think he's being misused. Now, I understand that he's still playing quarterback right now for a couple of reasons. One, depth. They don't really have a lot of guys that can play right now. Yurik's still playing receiver. Yeah, the injury to Bentley at the beginning of the season, you had to have him play that. And he did come into Carolina as a quarterback. So I don't think he wants to play any other position as well. I think that was one of the reasons why he was sold on going to Carolina. He wanted to play quarterback. But I've seen him out there with gloves before. He's one of those guys that you have to get him on the field and play. Right now, he's being used as a gimmick. They bring him in to run the ball. He'll throw it, but we know that he's pretty much going to run the ball if he's in the game. They like to do it on third downs, too, to try to get him around the corner. You watch out for that. But I just think he's being misused. He's one of those guys that can really make a difference with his feet. Um, you get him out there, receiver, running back, have him out there at the same time with Helensky, make something happen. Uh, just being misused. And again, he's one of those guys that Clemson wanted. Very talented player. Uh, I'd like to see him get more touches. Chase Bryce is the backup at Clemson. And honestly, I wouldn't take many other quarterbacks, if any, over him, including some starting quarterbacks around the country. He's pretty good. And a lot of people don't believe that. Uh, he's one of those guys that can literally help move the ball forward. Um, you know, when he comes in, he has some pretty passes at times. So I really like Chase Bryce. I think he's better than DeCurian Joyner in this game. I have to give the credit to uh, Clemson offensive staff for developing these quarterbacks. Uh, again, going with Clemson on this one outright. For the offensive line, I have to go with Clemson outright. I think that while there are a lot of uh, players who have a lot of experience on the South Carolina offensive line, they're just not that good. Uh, they're just honestly, if I'm being... <laughs> Very frank with you, they are a couple steps up from Florida State. Uh, they got some talented players, though. I will not say that they are just completely porous, um, but they have some work to do. Uh, I would much rather take Clemson's offensive line, who is a veteran offensive line and is talented from one to two deep. 
Uh, even the three deep guys come in and play at a high level. Uh, I'd much rather go with Clemson's offensive line. And in fact, I think Clemson's offensive line will have the better day against the opposing defensive line uh, holding up. I just think that South Carolina is going to have a lot of trouble uh, blocking the defensive ends and the D-line at Clemson. So uh, going with Clemson outright. For the tight ends, I'm going to go even. I think that Kyle Markway is a really good tight end. I think he's uh, going to be able to come into the game and find himself open a couple of times. But I also think that J.C. Chalk will do the same. I think they're essentially the same guy. Both guys are about 6'3", 6'4", 250 pounds. Both guys are juniors. <laughs> they're really the same guy, but uh, really good players. Uh, and the depth at both teams are kind of okay. Uh, we're still wanting to get the rest of the guys involved in the game. But again, I think even for the tight ends. For the D-line in this matchup, I'm going to go slight Clemson. I think that uh, Clemson has the better talent from top to bottom. A little bit younger, a little bit more inexperienced, but I think that they are more talented. I will say that guys like Kinlaw and Wanham and Smith and Thomas are really good. Sterling is going to play hard as well, but I just think that you know the Clemson Tigers defensive line have been playing with a chip on their shoulder all season. They've been told before the season and during the season that they're not as good as the guys that left for the NFL. But these guys are coming in and holding their own, playing much better than anyone thought. Uh, guys like true freshman Tyler Davis really taking over. Jordan Williams. Got a guy like Niles Pinckney who's been a mainstay for a little while. Justin Foster, Logan. Those guys have been very consistent playing at a high level, and we know what we have in guys like K.J. Henry and Xavier Thomas. They're going to be nightmares in this game. I feel bad for the tackles in this game for South Carolina. It's going to be hard for them to really stop these guys coming around the corner. But again, I like the talent from top to bottom for Clemson's defensive line a little bit more uh, than South Carolina's. For the linebackers, I'm going outright Clemson. I don't think that anyone has a linebacker like Isaiah Simmons. He is the X factor. Uh, they don't have the speed that Clemson has on the linebacker core. Um, they do have guys that can lay the wood, though, especially Sherrod Green, Ernest Jones, TJ Brunson. Those guys are going to come in and hammer people. I like Rosendo Lewis as well. But again, Clemson's speed, knowledge, and just knack for being at the right place at the right time. Uh, these guys are tackle machines. Skalski, Smith, these guys know where to be. Balin Spector, going to play really good football for Clemson for now. And in the future, Jake Venables coming in and learning, playing well. I do like Clemson's linebackers a little bit better. And again, Isaiah Simmons, no one's like him out there. For the secondary, I'm going outright Clemson. At first, I had this one a little bit closer because I do like some of the guys over on the Carolina defense, especially with Horn, Mukwamu at times when he's playing consistently. I do like eBay in certain situations, but I just think that Clemson's defensive secondary is playing some of the best football in college in general. Uh, these guys are really shutting teams down. Kayvon Wallace and Tanner Muse playing very good football and very consistent this season. Uh, Tanner Muse actually leads the team with interceptions. So for all the people who wanted to say he's not very good in coverage, well, there you go. Uh, I like the backups well in Denzel Johnson. He's gone after this, so he's going to be playing good football. Nolan Turner, uh, he does get sucked in a little bit. Uh, and we're going to have to watch out for that, especially with South Carolina's play action and RPO looks. But he's a very solid player, and I like him coming along. Uh, A.J. Terrell's an NFL guy. At one point, 
you know, I was thinking he is solidly gone. There's a good chance he could come back, but there's a lot of football left for him, and the NFL is going to come calling for sure. And Darian Kendrick has really stepped up. He's not one of those guys you can pick on anymore because he's new. He used to get a lot of questions about, is Darian Kendrick really good enough to play cornerback? Well, yeah, you see it is now. Uh, teams aren't just trying to pick on anymore, and even if they have the bigger receivers, they're not able to just, you know, do whatever they want. So I like Clemson's secondary. Again, I do like some of the guys over on the secondary for South Carolina. Uh, Horn's very talented. He could play at Clemson for sure. But I, I, I just think that, again, Clemson's secondary is going to have the better day in this game. So going with Clemson. For special teams, I'm going even. I think that both teams are really inconsistent at times when it comes to the kicking game, especially at place kicking. Uh, I think Joseph Charlton might have a little leg up on Will Spires when it comes to the punting game, but Will Spires, when he is playing well, does play pretty well. Um, don't like Swicky at punter at all. Uh, I think we need to probably change that. Place kicking is still a uh, up-for-grabs type thing. Potter has still not won the job away from Swicky yet. Uh, and that's still an ongoing battle. I like Parker White. He's a you know feel-good story. He earned his uh, scholarship. He's out there kicking the ball a million yards, uh, but he's still got to work on his consistency as well. Once they can get that figured out, they're pretty good. Uh, both teams' return men are really good. I like Brian Edwards for the punt return, but again, I don't think he's going to be very healthy. That's going to leave Shy Smith with that. He's that Debo Samuel type guy. Watch out for him. Do not want to have him have the ball in his hands in open space or wide open lanes. He will take it. Uh, of course, we do like Amari Rogers at punt return. He's fantastic. I think he's going to break one at some point. I keep saying it. I'm waiting on it. Maybe it's just me psyching myself up for it. But he's very good. Uh, of course, we have Joseph Ngata and Cornell Powell and kick return. A.J. Turner and Shai Smith are the kick returners for South Carolina, although I don't see them getting a lot of opportunities to move the ball. Uh, I see B.T. Potter putting it in the end zone more often than not. With that said, I think that Clemson has the better team top to bottom, not just the players, coaching, the environment, the fans, everything. Now, I'm not ragging on, you know, South Carolina fans. Yeah, sure. They get on my nerves a lot, and I can't stand the Gamecocks, but they do have a talented team, and it's very disappointing for them, uh, regardless of what's going on, because this was the season that everyone said, hey, we're going to have a chance to be competitive. Well, they're not even close. They're not going to a bowl game. They never look competitive outside of the Georgia game. They don't know who they are. And, you know, a lot of that falls on Coach Will Muschamp. This is his fourth season. You know, at one point it looked a little bit more like they should have probably just kept Sean Elliott, coach of Georgia State. At least he could beat Tennessee. You know, before the season, Caslin said if they beat Clemson, they're going to have an ice cream party for everyone. And Coach Muschamp made sure to tell everybody that he likes chocolate chip. Doesn't look like they're going to get any ice cream this season. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's very disappointing. Again, they have the pieces there to be talented. It looks like some of the best players that they're going to have, though, are going to pass them by. You're going to talk about a guy like Brian Edwards, gone after this. Rico Dowdle, gone. Tavian Feaster, gone. You know, they're going to have to really work hard to rebuild this stuff, especially along the offensive line, especially along the defensive line. So, again, you know, there's been a lot of stuff to talk about this rivalry. Again, you know, Clemson went through that whole five bomb with South Carolina for a few years and being picked on, but Clemson really has turned it around and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Clemson has really ascended to the top of college football playoff ranks. And I don't think Gamecock Nation is super excited to have Clemson as their rival right now at this point. Fans know it and they understand it. 
they don't really want to play Clemson. It's more, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to do. But at this point, if South Carolina can keep it respectable, if they can come out and be one of those teams that can be competitive, you know, maybe it won't be so bad. Unfortunately, I think they're catching Clemson at a really bad time. You've got a really fired up Dabo Sweeney and a fired up Clemson Tiger team that's wanting to prove a point. They're dealing with the whole 21-point win that felt like a loss thing that happened last season, yada, yada, yada. And I don't think they want to hear that anymore. They want to go out and dominate. And if this game is a blowout, there is no fight, no competition. I don't think there is any more games left as head coach for Will Muschamp at South Carolina. And I think that's what happens. That's a wrap, folks. That's the end of the show. I appreciate you listening. If you want to listen again, it'll be available Friday morning. That's Black Friday over at the 4th and 16th podcast at 8 a.m. You can listen to it while you shop. Fans of both teams, if you're going to the game, be respectful. Don't be a clown. Don't throw things or mock anyone. As always, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. Beat the game Cox by 400 or more. Have a great night, and I'll see you next week. looking at the, and I, I've been complimented they've been that's the best era they've had in 115 years of South Carolina football is right now and they've done a great job I mean a great job and they've whipped our butt in the last three years it's my job to change that you know coach Spurs been there seven years you know and after after five years I think they had I think he had 35 wins and I think and a, a new contract and all that kind of stuff and you know, after five years at Clemson, if I've only got 35 wins, there's going to be a new coach here. And you know what? There should be because there's a different standard. And uh, so he's exactly right. Uh, they ain't Alabama. They ain't LSU. And, and they're certainly not Clemson. And, uh, you know, that's why Carolina's in Chapel Hill and USC's in California. And the university in this state always has been, always will be Clemson. And it's right here in Clemson, South Carolina. So you can, you can print that, tweet that, uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs>